that everything that we call matter comes from something that is not material, that the essential nature of the physical world is that it's not physical, that the essential stuff of the universe is non-stuff, call it what you will. Science tells us that nature is a discontinuity, that it's an on-off phenomenon, that there are gaps between every two ons, where you find a field of possibilities, a field of pure potentiality. Science doesn't call it God, but what is God if not the immeasurable potential of all that was, all that is, and all that will be. Science also tells us that it's a field of non-locality, where everything is correlated with everything else. Today, science tells us that uh, the essential nature of reality is non-local correlation. Everything is connected to everything else. That there's hidden creativity. There are quantum leaps of creativity. That there's something called the observer effect, where intention orchestrates space-time events, which we then measure as movement and motion and energy and matter. Did you hear anything in there that convinces you? Um, <laughs> You asked, uh, Dan, what I meant by woo-woo. That is the very embodiment of woo-woo. <laughs> Stringing together at, at a rapid patter of a bunch of scientific-sounding words sprinkled in with some spiritual New Age words is, doesn't mean anything. Be advised that this show is not for children, the faint of heart, or the easily offended. The explicit tag is there for a reason. This is Cognitive Dissonance. Every episode, we blast anyone who gets in our way. We bring critical thinking, skepticism, and irreverence to any topic that makes the news, makes it big, or makes us mad. It's skeptical, it's political, and there is no welcome, Matt. Welcome, everybody, to episode 16 of Cognitive Dissonance. Um, we're going to go ahead and jump right in. We've got some great stories here. I think chief among those stories for anybody um, who's been paying attention lately is the unfortunate passing of uh, Steve Jobs. I know he's a relatively controversial figure. A lot of people loved him. Some other people really, it turns out, loathed him. I, I didn't realize that. Isn't that amazing, Tom? I, I had no idea. I have somebody on my Facebook feed who is like fucking dancing on his grave. Like he, like as if. Yeah, I, I know who that uh, is. I know who that is. And yeah, he's on my Facebook feed. I was too. like, wow, really? <laughs> I, yeah. He's like, at one point, like the guy put on uh, like a piece of drama that was done about Steve. Right. And I'm just like, I'm like that's a that's a movie, that's, dude. Like that's not a, that's not Steve Jobs. Not a true that's like thing. A movie. <laughs> I don't understand. It, that's that's it was. I don't know. The level of, of 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 vitriol expressed was was surprising to me. But turns out there's a fair number of people who don't like Steve Jobs. Can I just talk? Well, let's just talk about that for a second here, Tom. One of the things that I uh, you want to say to people, and and I think you and I probably are going to agree on this. Was he the, you know, the greatest inventor of our time? No, he didn't. I don't even think he really invented that stuff. You know what I mean? He's, you know, even if he came up with the idea, he's still having other people do sure. the work. You know, he's not, he's not fucking coding and fucking putting together the prototype of the iPhone 4. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's got a whole team of people that does that work for him. And is he an evil bastard? I heard a lot of stuff about philanthropy. Like, oh, he's never given any money to charity. No, not publicly. But when you have that much money, you know, you've got to figure that, that some of that money's going. Now, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. You don't know, but he publicly never gave to charity. Okay, well, you know, maybe he had a reason for doing that. Uh, I just feel like there's a lot of vitriol about him, but then there's also a lot of fucking, like, gobsnobbing going on, man. People are fucking just oh, gobsnobbing yeah. this oh, dude, yeah. like, fucking, oh, he's, he's the greatest guy ever, and we lost the greatest. It's like, okay, you lost the head of a company, but, you know, big deal. Yeah, I I'll tell you this. I've noticed that after he passed, um, my Mac did not disappear. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't start I, I'm up. using it right now. It's like beating on it like, Jobs, make it work. <laughs> My iPod did not cease right. to work. You know, it's unfortunate that he died in the sense that, you know, hey, that guy, you know, made some 
cool stuff I bought or was involved. He was involved. Cool yeah, that's exactly stuff it. He was involved. I, I don't know what his level of involvement right. was. You know, I mean, he's he's a figurehead. Like the the figurehead is gone, and um, you know, was he a visionary? I guess there's an argument to be made either way. I'll, I'll tell you what, he wasn't. He was not a man who made good medical decisions. It turns out. No, he did not. Um, Fortune magazine reported in 2003 um, that uh, doctors discovered a tumor growing in his pancreas. Not a good place for a tumor. Oh no! It turns out worst place on the body for a tumor. That's pancreas. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> Survey says. <laughs> Six months. We've surveyed 100 people. We've asked them where the worst place to have a tumor is. 25 of them died before they could answer. <laughs> it, <laughs> oh, the sad thing is that it's true. I know. It, you know, I remember I was listening to, a, a, I think it was a radio lab, and they were talking about like pancreatic cancer is one of those like worst case scenario cancers. So when... When you find something like that, it seems to me that, especially if you're somebody who's involved in technology every day, you know, the, the thing to do is to say, like, well, what are my options? I have basically unlimited resources. So to have this guy turn to a special diet and he kind of turned to some woo, man. He yeah, he like, did. He totally went the woo route. It took him over over a year before he finally got the surgery. And they had said uh, that he would get, you know, maybe 10 plus years because this this surgery normally prevents people from dying for a while once they get it. And uh, he waited a full year and he only got what, like four or five years after that surgery. Right. And he had a he form of cancer that, that uh, was described as highly treatable with surgery. Um, and the, the tumor of his type was generally curative, but instead he, he decided to, to go with a, a like a diet. Like a Here's the thing. There, there's a ton of these sort of uh, I've got cancer, what should I eat diet treatment plans. Um, and I thought about this, and it's, it, that strikes me as insane. First of all, cancer isn't scurvy. You know, It doesn't right. reverse because you ate some vitamin C. Because it wasn't caused by a malnutrition. It's not to treat it as if it as as if there was some kind of nutrition deficit. And if I only if I only put into my stomach the right fuels, the right food sources, I won't have cancer anymore. Belies a total lack of understanding of what fucking cancer is, right? Right. And how food works. Yeah. I'm no, not, it's totally true. <laughs> I'm not suggesting that a good diet or a bad that a bad diet doesn't have any effect on your life, or that a good diet is not beneficial to you. Of course, I mean, fucking, of course, right? And, and you know, if you have if you have a bad enough diet, you you might end up giving yourself some some real problems. Sure, but changing the foods you eat is not going to halt runaway cell growth. That's not a thing that happens. That's why nobody fucking prescribes it. Right. I, I, don't, I don't get it. If, if you could eat more fruits and vegetables and get rid of fucking cancer, doctors would be fucking elated, right? The first guy who found this out and proved it to be true and published it in a paper and then it was peer-reviewed and it was discovered, wow, that fucking works. Celery yeah. works. <laughs> well, Tom, the thing is is that the big the big medicine doesn't want you to know oh, that you can cure it. God, they want to they want to pay you like <laughs> you pay them for chemotherapy. But nobody well, considers you know, big celery, right? Yeah. Like big celery would <laughs> big be all farm about this. the big farm industry is <laughs> out to fucking get you. It'd be um, big farm versus big pharma in like like a cage match. <laughs> it's like fucking yeah, they're in the Thunderdome. Uh, so uh, what I want to say, though, Tom, I wonder if it was in his nature to be kind of a gambler, right? I mean, is any one of these guys, I don't know all the, I don't know the fucking story of Steve Jobs. I'm not a fucking Steve Jobs knob gobbler. Right. But, you know, I don't, isn't, doesn't it seem like sort of his MO to be somebody who says, you know what? I've bet on the little guy before, and I'm going to bet on the little guy again. Like sure, I'm the, yeah. we're the little company that could, and I'm the, you know, the CEO that couldn't, you know, that nobody thought could make it. And I, you know what I mean? Doesn't it seem like something that would be sort of in his nature to do, to look at something that was alternative rather than something that was sort of mainstream? I mean, because he sort of built a career on that. I mean, he made a computer for artists instead of business. He made a, you know, uh, a bunch of things that were sort of designed more ergonomically than technologically. And so I feel like uh, 
one, like he's one of these people that that would would do something like this. I also think maybe there's a possibility he had his developed team on it, but he couldn't get up, come up with the eye cure quick enough. And so <laughs> there's no app know, for this. There's, there's no, no app for this. <laughs> The development team had to push it back, and, well, now here's where we are, Steve. Yeah, look, I get it, man. You made a fortune. Like, when everybody else zigged, you zagged. Right. Well, yeah, but you you died. Yeah. yeah. Man. He could have had the, more years. He could have had more years. I know. It, it's sad. It, I mean, it's sad because it it's part of that mindset that, you know— that they gotcha, right? That that there's that these the, the mainstream medicine doesn't have your best interests in mind. Um, that that you should go with the alternative. I'm I am sympathetic. Not, I'm not, I'm more than sympathetic. I am um, I am fucking on your side when it comes to saying, hey, when I see a problem, I want to look at every solution. I want to try. Yeah. You know, let's let's think out of the box. Not let's not just go. You know, the the direct route, but. You know, we've talked about this in the past. Fucking walk and chew gum, right? Right, right. If there's a surgery that's offered that takes the tumor that's in your body and cuts the tumor in your body out, and then they throw it in the garbage. And you can eat better. Like, you can have, you can do both, right? It's not like the diet and the surgery are mutually exclusive. And I do understand saying, you know, I want to look at every treatment option available, and I, but, but fucking walk and chew gum here. I I can't imagine I can't imagine putting myself in a position where I have something that is potentially life threatening and saying I, I wouldn't right. I wouldn't want to do the alternative thing because maybe it's better. I want to do the all of the things. Right. And I think that a lot of times the alternative thing doesn't necessarily preclude you from getting surgery. Right. Well, one thing I am always I always wonder about this is, you know, Tom, if my fucking TV was broken. I would go to the TV repairman and be like, hey, man, my fucking thing doesn't work. He's like, oh, it's the Flugelschmorg. And I'd be like, okay, can you replace it? Yeah, sure. And then he fucking replaces the Flugelschmorg and my TV works again. Right. Same thing with my car. Hey, you know, it's fucking knocking. Oh, you got this thing problem with this other gigamal dork. Okay, can you fix it? Yeah, sure, I can. And then he fixes it. Like, we don't fucking – and I understand. Don't get me wrong. There's fucking – irreputable people in the world that might take you for a ride. And that's, right. that's, right. that's every profession. But, you know, when I go to see somebody and something is broken, I ask them to fix it and then they do. And then I pay them a money and that's how that system works. But like, for some reason, people feel like they go to the doctor, the person who, you know, probably has the best knowledge. I mean, they're fucking, you know, fucking elbows deep in human bodies all the fucking time. They understand a lot about the human body. Do they know everything? Of course they don't know everything. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they don't know something. And so when you go there and they're like, oh, well, I think you should get the surgery. And you're like, okay, well, you know what? I don't think I'm going to do it. That's like going to the fucking TV repairman and be like, you know, I really think you should fix your fucking flugel gork. You know what? I think I'm just going to wash the screen. I'm just going to wash the screen and then I'm going to plug it back in. If it doesn't work, well then, you know, I washed the screen. Yeah, I poured some apple cider vinegar in the inputs. (laughs) Turns out the input wasn't the problem. Right. You know, I, I do understand that. And, and, and I, I think I understand where it comes from. It's, it's this idea that like, well, I've got a body and I know my body and, you know, I've, I've, I am bodily. And, 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 it, and there, again, I feel sort of sympathetic to this idea that, you know, you go to Dr. A and he says one thing and Dr. B says another thing. But, right. Right. And, and, and I get that. And I understand that that would be very frustrating, but especially with somebody like Jobs, where you have fucking unlimited resources. Sure. You know, for most of us... Where you don't have to make an appointment at the fucking Mayo Clinic. Right. You can just walk right. in and be like, I would like to be treated. And they would be like, we would like to treat sure, you. because if they don't, you could be like, fine, I'll just buy your Mayo Clinic. What do you want, you know? Yeah. <laughs> what do I'll I need to do to get an appointment, right? It. You know, I will just buy right. all of it. Like, I just, okay, fine. Yeah. I, I own the Mayo Clinic now. When can I be seen? It's Wednesday at 3. I'd like to be seen at 3.09. You know, (laughs) I fucking that. So, for a lot of us, we have you know we we have to rely on where our insurance sends us. And if our insurance sends us to somebody and they say do a thing, uh, you know, some of us can't get a set. If you have an HMO, you kind of can't get a second opinion. It's true, and that's a little frustrating because there is differing opinions on on some of these things and differing uh, differing options, and so. 
to, to effectively evaluate your options is difficult when you have limited resources. That's not the case with this guy. He has fucking unlimited resources, so go see 10 doctors. None of them would have said, eat a more balanced diet or here's some fucking sure. supplements. Here's some Cheerios. Right. I mean, again. <laughs> Try the honey nut kind. They're delicious. <laughs> to treat cancer as, as, a, as, a, as some kind of a, a, a nutritional defect is crazy. It's like, well, I'm going to juice. Okay, fucking juice. You can juice the day before surgery and the day after surgery. Right. But get the right. surgery. Well, boys and girls, put your hand up if you've heard of the word evolution. Oh, boy, I think just about everyone puts their hands up. Hands down. Put your hand up if you've heard that dinosaurs lived millions of years ago. Dear, oh, dear. Hands down. Put your hand up if you've heard that people came from ape-like creatures or something like that. You know, I think just about everybody in the world has heard those things. And I want to tell you right from the start here, I don't believe that dinosaurs lived millions of years ago, and I certainly don't believe that you came from ape-like creatures or anything like that. This is a video, we'll link to it on our website, um, of some creationist uh, nutters really going after their kids. Can we play? I'm going to play a quick clip yeah. from this, Tom, real quick. Just I'm not going to play the whole thing. I would suggest you watch the entire thing to understand what we're talking about because we're going to be talking about it in context, but I'm going to play you a short clip uh, of what they say. Most Christians are viewed as ignorant because we believe in the Bible. Sometimes Christians feel like they're on the defensive because mainstream is so opposite and feeling like evolution is, is the broad-minded way to view things. But when you look at the Bible and you look at uh, evidence, scientific evidence, it makes sense. It's just easy to explain to your children, you know, the flood and the, um, the fossils that are found. And it just makes more sense to me. So there you go, Cecil. It's, you know, they, they, these are people who are raising kids. And these kids right. are going to be at a, a massive competitive disadvantage with all of their peers, you know, because they're going to be in a place where they don't understand life. Like they, they have a fundamental lack of understanding. And from an early age, they're being taught, hey, don't think about it too much. Or, or a trust authority, right? I mean, like there's one point where this guy... Um, this guy is on the stage and he's saying, all right, boys and girls, uh, have, is, does this look like your grandfather? And there's like a picture of a monkey and it's like, and all the kids in the, uh, in the audience are like, no, ha, 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 ha. And then he does it one about his grandmother. He, what you want him to say is like, okay, boys and girls, do you know what a straw man is? Right. You know, like, it's like fucking dude, you like, of course they didn't look like fucking monkeys. You fucking retard. That's like saying like that shit. That's like saying like fucking four or five generations ago, they look like monkeys you dumb fucker just because you don't understand something doesn't mean it's not plausible doesn't mean it's not i mean not not even plausible that it's not fact at this point just the 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 hatred that they have for uh, evolution and for scientists because there's at one point time where he's like who's always been here and they're like god and he's <laughs> like know. okay who are you gonna believe a scientist or god god right and then they you know then they flash um then they flash up something that says like uh, God said it, I believe it, right. it settles it. Yep. And it's like, wow, wow, way to put, this is a big problem I have with one of the many big problems I have with um, religiosity. And that's that what religiosity seeks to do first, it has to do it first, is it seeks to put a period at the end of every sentence rather than a question mark. And it discourages people from thinking further. By providing dogmatic answers to every question, answers that they discourage, actively discourage you to question, it, it, it does not allow you to have a, a, a mind that continues to seek out further answers. You know, let's think, let's think about this in contrast. And last episode, we talked about, you know, the neutrinos that might be going faster than the speed of light. And, you know, that's causing physicists to stop and take notice and say, wow, you know, maybe we've got... Maybe the theory of relativity isn't correct, and let's re-examine this, and let's look at all the questions that this thing raises, and what's that? That's the exact opposite of the period at the end of the sentence. Right. That's putting a fucking ellipse at the end of everything and sure. saying, hey, this is how we think the world works, but it's still open. We're still willing to reconsider. You know, you look at something like this, and you look at this woman who's saying like, well, you know, it just seems easier. 
just, you know, it makes sense to me. And, well, yeah, it makes sense to you. You just watched a PowerPoint on it. You know, you, you haven't stopped to consider it. You, you look at these kids, <clears throat> they interview a bunch of these kids, and the kids say, well, you know, I mean, the Bible says that it, it, this is what happened. And they're like, well, how do you know? And they're like, well, the guy just told me. Sure, that's what my mom said. Right. You're not even getting the information from the source you cite. You're saying the Bible says it, but you're not even going to the Bible yourself. So you're getting secondhand information and citing the first, the primary source. It's, that's crazy. I mean, if you stop and you read the entire Bible cover to cover, and then you stop and you read the evidence for evolution, and you consider all the scientific evidence for evolution, and then you say, okay, I've read both the Bible and I've read the primary body of information that, that, that uh, discusses evolution, and now I'm prepared to make a decision. Okay, then that might be a reasonable conversation to have. But that's not at all the case here. It, you're going into it with a settled notion. You're going into it with a period at the end of the sentence. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. So these kids are going to go into the world and they're going to, they're, what are they going to think when they get into a science class? What are they going to think when they're presented with information and um, a world that will not conform to their mindset because the world doesn't conform no, to, doesn't. to religious beliefs. It's the, the, you constantly, if you're a religious person, you constantly have to make excuses for your religiosity. You constantly have to do these sort of intellectual backflips to force the world to look the way that your religion would predict that it does, right? Because religion makes predictions just like science does. But if the world doesn't fit a scientific prediction, the science will change. If, if, if all of a sudden neutrinos start to move faster than the speed of light, well, the science will change. But religion won't. And so as the world continues to progress and as we learn more things about our world and as those things don't fit into religious dogma, the religion's not going to change. And so what's the religious person's response? It's to try to change the world to fit the religious dogma. And that happens. That happens all the time. That's what happens. I mean, that's how. That's why. That's why a guy like this has a whole audience full of people because they're all looking at their book and saying, "Well, fuck. What? It doesn't mention dinosaurs. Oh, well, a dinosaur is a behemoth." Right. It, I mean, you would think that if dinosaurs coexisted with people, it would be more than a cursory reference. Right. You would think it would be like it'd be a big deal. Be like, well, there I was at the fucking rock quarry, and I had to drive home with Dino in the car. <laughs> I was just gonna say. <laughs> and Fred begat Wilma, and Wilma be- <laughs> bam, 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 bam. Uh, I'm gonna eat fruity pebbles every day this week. That's <laughs> in just- celebration of your religious ignorance. I will eat my cocoa pebbles. There are some problems we have in Wall Street. But the thing is for, for young people to sit out there and say that we hate capitalism, we hate corporate America, you know, that's kind of like what helped us get to where we are in 235 years. And if we don't believe that uh, the free market is going to be a successful means by which we can pull ourselves out of this recession, then the United States of America, that which uh, really is the essence of who we are and our exceptionalism is going to be lost. So ignorance is all over the news. There's, uh, there's been a big movement in, in the States, this Occupy Wall Street. Occupy Wall Street has spread to Occupy everything, you know, Occupy Chicago, Occupy San Diego. Um, and it's basically uh, a, a disparate group of people um, coming together to protest um, and they're protesting a variety of things. There's no, there's not a, a um, strong central organizing feature of them, but they, they do have some similarities. They do have some things in common. However, they're being labeled Cecil as anti-capitalist. What that, ha- what happens there? I think more often than not, when somebody labels you as an anti-capitalist, they're trying to make you look like a communist, right? They're trying to make you look like uh, somebody who is not. Uh, who's who's unpatriotic. They're trying to, you know, when you when you label somebody like that and you say you're an anti-capitalist, you're basically telling the rest of the people that you're talking to, and this is a media, this is Fox News that's doing this, they're trying to tell their listeners and their viewers, hey, uh, these people are un-American. 
These people are against the system. They're against the system that, you know, you've done well with for your entire life, the system that's lifted you up, even though it probably hasn't lifted you up at all. Uh, they, they're against the system. They are anti. They are fundamentally anti-American. And so now uh, you can you can drum up a support against this cause and make it and also make it uh, seem sort of uh, frivolous and uh, and just you know, almost like the whim of children. Right. And, you know, it's a way to marginalize the message by marginalizing the people. Sure. And and if you can do that, if you can make the people seem crazy, then you can seem you can make the message seem crazy. It reminds me a lot of the Tea Party, though, actually. It does. They, <laughs> they, there are a lot of similarities because, you know, the, the Tea Party professed to be about one thing, you know, taxes. Tax enough already. And then the reality, of course, was that when people showed up to the protest, they showed up with a hundred different signs with a hundred different agendas. And, and half of them were racist, and part of them were Christian, and part of them were conser- like traditional social Christ- uh, Christian conservative values, and some of them were about taxes. Right. Um, I, I think I think few of them were about taxes. I think the interesting thing here is that. There is a striking similarity between the Occupy protests and their desire not to be taxed, you know, and their issues with corporate um, tax right. structure. Well, I think so. You know, they, there's there's a real similarity there. Um, they can't come together because they're on different sides of the aisle. And so I think that they can't see that they're they're kind of pissed about a lot of the same things. And, and these are legitimate things to be pissed about. Well, we've said it before, that the Tea Party movement, um, if it had been about taxes um, and, and that they had stayed on message, it would have been a legitimate movement, I think. I think so, too. And, and I think it would have had legitimate, they have legitimate cause for concern. Um, the, the problem is that their message was um, basically diluted and hijacked by every conservative group possible. They're like, wow, we've got, I mean, we're going to have tons of people. So let's get your abortion nutters out and let's get your super Christian crunchies out and let's get your gun nuts out and let's get your racist anti-Obama nuts out, you know? And so then it, it became this sort of diverse collection of, of, of kooks. Yeah. And it, it's a, it's a problem, you know, it damaged the credibility of the Tea Party so much that they, they are, um, I, I think an irrelevance at this point. The Occupy Wall Street people have some legitimate gripes and legitimate concerns. Um, and to, to see them also running into the same problems that the, the Tea Party movement um, ran into is, uh, is frustrating. It's like, how, how do you, at this point, protest? How, how, do you, how do you come together as a nation and say, hey, I don't care if you're on the left or right-hand side of the aisle— you know, shit's fucked up. Shit's fucked up when the banks put us in a position where we had to spend a bajillion dollars yeah. bailing them out. Right. And then immediately after they get bailed out, they all go on to make more money than they've ever made before. And nobody's supposed to be pissed about this. Like, you bankrupted our economy. You damaged our economy. You crushed our housing market. You were rich. You were... Threatening to be poor for 15 minutes, we bailed you out, now you're mega rich again. Right. And people see this, and they're pissed about it on both sides. And and to have them be labeled as anti-capital, there's nothing capitalist about what's going on right now. I think what the what you've got to look at, you know, when you look at this, you've got to think, what are they protesting? They're protesting the 1% of people that are controlling the uh, most of the money in the country— and they're mad about it. They're mad that that these people aren't paying their fair share. They're paying, you know, like Warren Buffett is paying less taxes in proportion than his secretary is. Um, there's plenty of tax loopholes. I mean, hell, there was a quote from Reagan recently. I found this fucking clip from Reagan where Reagan, fucking Ronald Reagan, the fucking, you know, giant fucking pulsating fucking hard cock of the right is saying, look. Here is uh here's a fucking bus driver and here's a millionaire and the millionaire you know gets well, tons of tax loopholes and the bus driver gives a third of his salary who should pay more in taxes and the entire fucking crowd all republicans scream hey the fucking bus driver should pay less taxes 
I mean, are you fucking kidding me that that's where we are 20 or 30 years more into the future where fucking that's that's no longer the fucking case? That people people on the right are looking and saying, no, no, no. That person, he's a job creator. That's a job creator. You can't tax the job creators. Well, you know what? We haven't fucking taxed them for 10 fucking years. And they haven't been fucking like shoveling the fucking jobs down the American people's throats. You know what I mean? Like there's still a fucking deficit of jobs. So let's, let's, let's stop pretending that that's working and we're, we're deeper in debt. Our country's fucking, you know, practically bankrupt. And, and it's just like you said, Tom, it's the entitlement state. It's like, you know, when the little guy gets bankrupt too fucking bad. Well, when the fucking big businesses get bankrupt, well, too big to fail. Right, because they're the ones that are going to create the jobs, and right? There's, I mean, there's and there's genuine frustration over that. You right. can't have a system that favors people in a fucking country that prides itself on not favoring people. Yep. There's legitimate cause for concern. Um, I think it's frustrating that the same message broadcast by a different group is now the subject of derision. Right. And I don't think that's because there's not support. The, it, polls show there's a tremendous amount right. of support. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the, the problem is that we're so divided at this point that it's not about the message. It's about the messenger. I'm a, I'm a little scared, too, in a, in, a, in a couple ways. And this may sound fucking completely conspiracy theorist. So if you're listening and you think I sound like a fucking conspiracy nut, please send us an email at dissonance.podcast at gmail.com and tell me I'm crazy. But... I just want to say, like, the media, it seems to me, the media has either been painting it as kind of a bunch of kooks or they have been not covering it at all. One of the things that's kind of alarming is it hasn't been trending on Twitter at all, and that's something that seems a little dubious to me. This is a this is a big movement with a lot of people, and a lot of people that aren't there are talking about it and using these hashtags, and they're not showing up as trends on Twitter. That seems a little disingenuous to me. And I wonder if the media companies that, you know, are getting some sort of, you know, directive that they're saying, look, you can't report on this the way you should. And it feels, it feels to me like there might be some pushback from people that are very powerful. Because don't kid yourself, the fucking media companies, the places where we could consume our media and gather our media, they're owned by this 1%. I can't do it. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. Fucking thing sucks. Bill O'Reilly actually claimed that... People from the Occupy Wall Street and Occupy movement um, that a lot of these people are jobless because they don't want to work and they should take a shower and get a job. <laughs> Isn't that the most insulting thing you've ever fucking heard? Like, I, this is a guy who's never really known what it's like to be hungry. This is a guy who doesn't know what it's like to be, you know, desperately unemployed. Uh, doesn't know what it's like to receive public assistance. You know, this is a guy who's been shitting nickels his right. entire life. Yep. So, of course, he's 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 you know he's not going to have that same perspective that other people that have been in a bad situation will. I am always shocked at the level, and you know, like this is not an this is not an isolated opinion, Tom. His opinion is not an isolated opinion. His opinion is a pretty common right. opinion. Yep. If you talk about people that have been privileged their entire life, and I'm not talking about color here. I'm just talking about economically privileged, whether that's white, black, or you know, whatever color. If it's if you have been economically privileged your whole life, you will feel like, you know, oh, well, you know, it's, it's real easy to get a job. Well, sure, because my dad was a banker and I, you know, went to college and I got, you know, I, I skated through at a party school and then dad decided to send me for my, you know, my MBA and then he hired me. And so I've always had a job and I've been making, you know, six figures. Now I'm up to seven. You know what? It's not that hard. It's America. Get used to it. It's very easy to see the world from that viewpoint. And I'm always shocked at the people that have had some, sometimes have had a hard time looking at the world and being like, oh, well, yeah, of course it's easy. I'm always shocked at those people. I, I know what it's like. I mean, I'm not going to say I was the poorest guy ever, but I, I grew up pretty in, in, a, in sort of some pretty bad poverty when I was growing up. And I, I never lose sight of that because it was a desperate time and it was tough. It wasn't an easy thing to do. And I always wonder about these people that are just like, oh, it's so fucking easy. Right. 
Right. You know, when he says, like, take a shower, like, I mean, he's clearly making, like, a dirty hippie sort of reference. Oh, you yeah. Know? And that's, that's dishonest. You know, he goes on in the next breath to say, like, well, the unemployment rate for college-educated people is 4.5%. Um, so they should have no problem getting jobs. So what he's suggesting is that these people are an educated group of people that for the most part, these are college educated people. And so they should have very little difficulty getting a job. Look, unemployment. Um, first, I think it's crazy that you're attacking the educated class, you know, right. That's, that's kind of insane. Um, second, this idea that um, because you're employed, you should not have cause for concern. Um, I'm employed. I have cause for concern. Right, right. Um, it's it's not the fact that you're uh, employed or unemployed that gives you a reason to be concerned. There's also a tremendous number of people who are horrifyingly underemployed. Um, being employed doesn't mean that you're getting a sustainable living wage. Right. Um, you could be employed doing a number of different things. You can be employed um, and and make barely enough to scrape by. You can be employed and still be on fucking public assistance. Um, you can be employed but not be able to find work in the field that you spent thousands of dollars educating yourself in right? Um, and be crippled by debt because, you know, your, your, your life growing up as a young person sold you the idea of college equals prosperity. And now you're out. And what you really see is that, you know, uh, working for a major financial institution equals prosperity. Um, right. And that, you know, trying to get a job as, let's say, a teacher um, means that you're unemployed or you're subbing with no benefits, all, you know, and not working for three months out of the year. Or, you know, there are so many instances where employed doesn't mean shit. And employed doesn't mean that you shouldn't be concerned. And when the educated um, masses are the ones that are pissed off, maybe it's time to stop and say, wow, here in America, even the people who have a college degree, those people feel disenfranchised. That's a problem. When the most educated group of people in your country, the college educated, um, gather together to say something is wrong, well, maybe those are the people we need to listen to. I'm sure you're aware of the fact that there are these protests going on down around Wall Street, right. Occupy Wall Street. Uh, they've spread to some other cities right. in the country. What do you make of that? What do they make of it? What do they want? Well, they th I don't know what they want, but I think they think that the banks have given them a raw deal over the last few years. I don't have facts to back this up. But I happen to believe that these demonstrations are planned and orchestrated to distract from the failed policies of the Obama administration. Don't blame Wall Street. Don't blame the big banks. If you don't have a job and you are not rich, blame yourself. You don't think the banks have anything to do with the uh, crisis that we went into in 2008? They did have something to do with the crisis that we went into in 2008, but we are not in 2008. We're in 2011, <laughs> okay? Yes, they had a big part to do with it. And, and obviously, you could go back and say, okay, what, what, did this, what did the banks do to do this? These demonstrations, I honestly don't understand. What are they looking for? To me, they come across more as anti-capitalism. Hmm. That's basically what it comes hmm. across as. When I was growing up, I was blessed to have had parents that didn't teach me to be jealous of anybody and didn't teach me to be envious of somebody. Hmm. It is not a person's fault because they succeeded. It is a person's fault if they failed. And so this is why I don't understand these demonstrations and what is it that they're looking for. So Herman Cain's kind of interesting. Uh, this is a guy who's trying to be a viable candidate and he's, and he's doing better and better. Yeah, he is. Um, he's trying to be a viable candidate for president. Um, I think it would be interesting as an, as an aside to have uh, two black people going, um, you know, vying for the, the general election. I think that would be kind of exciting. Um, I wouldn't vote for Herman Cain, but I still think it would be kind of exciting to have that be a reality sure. here in the States. Um, it'd be interesting to see the Tea Party protest signs then. The, <laughs> we don't know what to do. They just hold up signs just say cognitive dissonance, you know. No, they just hold up a sign that says, we're fucked. <laughs> um, 
But but he basically says he doesn't even understand the the protesters or what they're protesting, and and basically says um, that they have they have nothing to bitch about. This is this is one of those guys I was talking about though, Tom. This is a guy who his parents were poor. He grew up, uh, you know, went to college. He wound up going to college, but you know his parents were poor. I think his dad was a chauffeur. You know what I mean? And his mom, like, cleaned well, – she, like, she was, like, a janitor. And here's this guy who grew up poor and then forgot what it's like to be poor. And I wonder, too, you know, it's like he he's one of these guys probably who thinks that, you know, anybody can make it. I mean, you know, and that at the impossible things happen. I mean, he's a black guy in the Republican Party, so he's got right. to think that. Th- that guy basically believes at this point that you can get bit by a radioactive spider and get magic powers. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Right. That you can get irradiated and become the Hulk. Right. That's exactly. what he thinks. He thinks that if you could Hulk smash anything. He's already experienced magic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just wonder, you know, he he's he's doing one of the things he says in this, he says like well, it's, that happened in 2008. It's not 2008 anymore. I'm just thinking, well, the effects didn't just stop in 2008, fucko. I, like, the banks collapsing and doing, like, asking for all that money just didn't fucking, like, up. Oh, well, that one second is gone in time. Right, and we, we haven't recovered. There's no repercussions to that? We, I don't understand why you would even say that. We haven't recovered, right? right. That's like saying, like, that. okay, so let's let's make a quick analogy. Let's imagine that three months ago, I got hit by a car. I got in a very serious accident and I was left unable to walk for a long time. You know, I had to do like a lot of rehab. My legs were broken. My hip was broke. Okay. So I'm in bad shape three months ago. It's like coming back to me in 90 days and being like, why are you so grumpy? What's going on? Be like, well, I fucking can't walk. (laughs) Like, well, you got hit by a car three months ago. Like, I'm not better yet. Well, why are you so grumpy? Here's your radioactive spider. Well, it's, I know. It's like, well, I, I would understand his, I would understand his viewpoint better if the economy were fucking railing along or if right. two years ago it had recovered and it was railing and now it had flagged again. That sure. would make sense. But there has not been a recovery. You know, like I, I got hit by that car three months ago and I'm still in intensive care. Right. And you're coming up to me and being like, geez, you really seem in bad shape. What's all the grumpy Gus face about there? <laughs> Somebody's got a case in a Monday. <laughs> like, are you insane? <laughs> this is a guy, this is a guy though that looks at the at the national economy and he looks at his own checkbook and he uses his checkbook as a barometer for exactly. the national economy, right? Exactly. You know, he's like, he's like, Oh, well, I got fucking a shit ton of money in the bank. America's doing great. Right. Right. What's wrong? What's yeah. wrong? I'm. I might be president. Clearly, yeah. things are just fine. Yeah. No, I, things are not just fine. You nut hut. Well, and then he's. You know, he's also talking like, oh, I just think it's anti-capitalism. And she's like, oh, and I just think you didn't think about it. <laughs> I know. I okay. We gotta talk about the anti-capitalism thing. It, true capitalism does not exist. We don't have a free right. market. We've never had a free market. Let's stop fucking around and pretend we want a free market. We don't want a free market. Nobody wants a free market. A totally free market, unregulated by government, doesn't work. It would lead to chaos. We've had it. It's the fucking Wild West. It's child labor. It's seven-day work weeks. It's uh, a lack of safety uh, and environmental controls in factories and businesses. It's madness. It existed. Yeah. You know, it didn't work, right? It's monopoly. Right. Uh, all day long, you know, look, look at what constantly happens um, in every facet of of the business world. You know, I mean, let's look right now at media and banking, you know, that wealth and that power over time consolidates, you know, as company A starts to do better than companies B, C and D. They either crush or absorb those companies, gaining yep. a larger share of the market. And becoming more monopolistic. You know, government comes in and has done so many things that, that override the free market. You know, OSHA over, is an example of overriding the free market. OSHA doesn't make any sense from a free market standpoint. Uh, environmental regulations override the free market. Uh, trust busting and monopolistic controls, anti-monopolistic controls, they override the free market. The free market leads to 
a, a, a shitty way to live for everybody. So there's always a balance between governmental control and regulation and the Wild West free market. So this idea that because people are upset as power and wealth continues to coalesce into a smaller and smaller handful of people and corporations, as people express their concern and frustration about that, the idea that that's anti-capitalist, that's a liar's idea. There's no such thing as capitalism and a totally free market in the States. There hasn't been since the beginning of the Industrial Revolution. No, I agree. I think I, I totally agree with you. I think that, you know, there has to be some sort of regulation. If we if you start pulling away regulations, problems happen. See 2008. Right. You know what I mean? Like all you have to do is roll back the clock three years and look at the fall of, of 2008 and say, what the fuck happened? What happened was is that Wall Street nearly collapsed and there was just this like just complete panic with our markets because nobody knew what to do because everything was fucking built on a house of cards because there wasn't any regulation and because people were were selling these loans because they could make money. There's a lot of blame that can get thrown around there, but a lot of people like to just pretend that all it was was people uh, the the you know the, you hear about it all the time the Democrats the Democrats allowed. People that could have never gotten loans to get a loan. No, it was the banks. That, like it wasn't fucking, you know, it wasn't Obama on fucking cold calls being like, you know, you really need to give this guy a loan. You know, it wasn't like that. It's These are people that are just like, hey, man, we could make a fuck ton of money if I trick this guy into getting a loan. And not even trick him, just fucking convince him to get a loan. Right. Convince this guy to get a loan. And I can make a shit ton of money. People pulling down fucking outrageous salaries because people were gobbling that fucking shit up. Yep. Well, then it falls apart. Now what? It was fucking a house of cards. And it wouldn't have been a house of cards if there was more strict regulation in there. Shit, Tom, you're not a fucking financial analyst, and you knew it was a fucking house of cards three years before it fucking fell. You were telling me this is not a fucking sustainable way to fucking treat the housing industry. No. It's not sustainable. And you told me three years before it collapsed, maybe sooner you told me that. Because it never made any sense. You know, I, I, used, to, I used to be a closer. Um, I, I used to close loans. I, I, and I would go out. I would drive out to these homes that were garbage. I mean, they were awful homes. They were places that, honestly, I've been to homes that should have been bulldozed, that were unsafe to live in, that were in terrible neighborhoods. And I would close a loan for somebody who, you know, made $2,000 a month, who was, you know, and they're, and they're closing loans that are $250,000, dollars $400,000. Oh, my God. And you look at it and you're like, your, your payment on this loan exceeds it's, your monthly income. It's more than you make. Your home isn't worth what they say your home's worth. And I closed hundreds of these loans, hundreds of them. They, it, it, was, it was crazy. It never made any sense. And it broke the back of the U.S. Sure economy. Did. Yep. And, and here we are, and Herman Cain is saying, well, that was three years ago. Yeah. Well, when you break your back, you don't just, you know, snap two the next day. Unless you're the Hulk. Unless you're the Hulk. Right. Herman Cain is the Hulk. This just in. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't get on a plane, he just jumps from fucking pole location to like the new fucking place where they're gonna have the debate. He just jumps back and forth. <laughs> Cain man. <laughs> Somebody needs to draw Herman Cain is the Hulk. Okay, that is that is your assignment. That's phenomenal. Rick Perry says his vaccine mandate on young girls was about cancer. This was about trying to stop a cancer. Only doctors opposed Perry's order for safety reasons, and the pro-family Texas Eagle Forum said it was all about the money for his campaign and for his cronies. Even worse, Rick Perry's wife had worked for the company that makes the vaccine. Now, the question is about Rick Perry's character. Paid for and authorized by Keep Conservatives United. The Republican Party is having some problems with uh, vaccines. Um, doesn't doesn't surprise me over much since they have a problem with science and medicine and dinosaurs. Um, but they're having some problems <laughs> with vaccines. Uh, a pro Michelle Bachman um, ad and, you know, her comments uh, regarding Rick Perry's stance on the HPV vaccine. Um, they seem to be getting weirder and crazier, Cecil. And uh, it's kind of nice that the two nut huts, like the two biggest crazies. Yeah. And, and I think it's saying something when Mitt Romney who's a guy who wears magic underpants. Yeah. <laughs> isn't one of those people. 
right? It's amazing, isn't it? When you're saying, oh yeah, the guy with the magic underpants, he's probably the best of the lot. Right, right. So when you got the two most extreme, and they're just bickering like kids, and they don't know how to do it right, Cecil. What? You know what I love? I absolutely love that this ad was paid for by keepconservativesunited.com. I love that this ad was was paid for by that. I think it's great. I mean, you know, if you can actually freeze frame this at 27 seconds and it says, what about Rick Perry's character and right underneath keepconservativesunited.com. I know. I, know. I love it. I know. Uh, here's, here's, uh, here's what they're doing. They're Going through the, all of this information and throwing a bunch of information at you, and this is at factcheck.org, and they're saying all of the information in this thing, most of the information in this, in this little commercial is false. It's just not true. And uh, they're saying like, oh, Perry's wife worked for Merck, and you're like, yeah, like 10 years before he made the decision and only part-time. You know, like, like you, but, the, but they'll pull that out, and this is exactly what – politicians do right in these commercials and that's why you've got to say during political season my best advice to you is never watch a single political commercial i I never watch us never watch a single one i i urge everybody who's gonna vote uh to to watch the debates watch the actual moderated debates if you want to and you think you need to go to the actual uh, like like websites and read, but don't like watch anything because they will manipulate you. They will try to manipulate you. I saw a fucking Rick Perry ad recently that looked like Braveheart. He's like fucking riding on a horse and he's like fucking like Rick Perry's fucking swooping in to, st- to save the government. And they show like all this stuff like beforehand about like how the government's going down. And they show Obama saying, oh, we're sick of all this stuff and I'm going to promise you change on and on and on. And they keep showing like fucking like Wall Street failing and all this. stuff. And it's like fucking completely manipulative. And it doesn't it doesn't help anyone. It doesn't, uh, you know, this doesn't, when you watch shit like this, you just, you just see how bad our political system has become. And I want to say too, to, uh, as a throwback to those Wall Street folks, you know, yeah, you're out there protesting now, get your fucking ass to a ballot box when it comes time in fucking, in, and I'm talking in the primaries too, because there's elections every, you know, every, like twice a year, I think in the, in the upcoming year, there's going to be two times you get a chance to elect people and you get a chance to not only elect people, but you also get a chance to decide who's going to run against the, the president. You get a chance sometimes in certain states, you get a chance to decide that shit. Get to a fucking polling station. I understand you fucking up in arms now. Be up in arms in six months and a year. Please do it. Please come to a fucking polling station. I don't understand why more people don't vote. I don't, I mean, it, it only takes moments to fucking vote. I mean, it really does. Right. Fucking vote, if you care at all. I mean, if you, if you're, if you care even so much to turn on Colbert, vote. Just vote. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not that big a deal. The, the Republicans are, are tearing them, like, these two idiots are just tearing themselves sure, apart. they're tearing themselves apart. And it, I think it's delightful as somebody who thinks both of these people are fucking lunatics. Um, I think this is awesome. Like, they need to have... More unity. If this is their version of unity, <laughs> of unity, yeah, I, I would, I would like to see more unity. So, going back to a uh, an ongoing segment that will randomly smatter into our show as we see fit. <laughs> Just forget. That's the problem. I know. Tom and I forget. We're like, oh, we got this fun segment, and then we just fucking forget about it. Well, to be fair, we have no other segments. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, this is the only thing that it's his own thing. Yeah. And we can't it's remember true. it. It's you know true. what we should do is we should write it on our hand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So from Conservapedia, the trustworthy encyclopedia, it says right underneath it, um, we have Minutemen Border Patrol. <laughs> it's so funny because I just listened the other day to This American Life about these guys. Um, the Minuteman Border Control is a group of concerned volunteer citizens that help federal border agents with defending the borders of the United States, enforcing America's sovereignty. Def- I love defending. I love that that's the word they chose is defending the border. I like enforcing America's sovereignty. Like, all of a sudden, there's going to be a threat to our uh, to the fact that we're a sovereign nation. I want to see the guy be like, I claim this land for Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> Some guy, like, they're, they're flooding over and planting flags, and we're just like, fuck. 
We lost Nevada. (laughs) (laughs) These groups target states that border Mexico to prevent unauthorized entry of illegal immigrants, including Texas, Arizona, New Mexico, and California. They advocate a secure border, which includes the construction of a border fence system and a virtual fence system. That's actually to catch virtual immigrants. It is. Anybody who surfs the web near the... Near near the border, they're fucked. They get caught in the virtual fence every time. That's, it's it's a bitch. It really is. President Carmen Mercer, the Minutemen's Civil Defense Corps, has disbanded the organization. Civil Defense wow. Corps. Wow. You. This just. I love America because you can name anything anything. <laughs> right. Like this is a country that has a bank called Fifth Third Bank. <laughs> right. One in two thirds bank. How does that no, even it's work? Fifth third. Um. He said, the mental attitude of many Americans is turning meaner, and we are concerned that this could cause problems. What does that even mean? Like, I that's a, don't know. Like, that last sentence doesn't make any sense. Like, the, the meanies? You guys are a bunch of meanies. I'm taking my illegal immigrants and going home. Rising aggression in the country, U.S., Mexico, and decisions by lawmakers in Washington who have pushed amnesty down our throats. <laughs> Pushed amnesty down our throats. Amnesty isn't something um, that has been pushed down our throats. Amnesty isn't something that's real. There's yeah. not been amnesty granted. If it's been pushed down our throats, shouldn't we be choking on it by now? We fucking what spat I- that shit out. And we're like, <laughs> no. <laughs> what I don't understand is the last line, Tom. It says, Jim Gilchrist's Minutemen Project organization is still in operation with chapters in over 15 states. I don't understand what? that either. 15 st- what? Don't tell me they're on the Canadian border. Do not tell me they're up in fucking Washington watching the border, making sure the Canadians don't fucking sneak down here. Don't sneak down here and what? Fucking use our health care system? Right. They're just <laughs> what like. What the fuck? They're showing up and being like, whoa, it's, this isn't better. It's this just is, a little this warmer. This is shitty. Yeah. Like, that's the only thing we have. That's it. It's just like, well, it's warmer. Yeah. That's We can't even make fun of Canadians' money anymore. I know. I was just in Canada and I was like trying to make jokes about like, do you take real money? And then they're like, yeah, we take a lot of your fucking real money. Yeah. Idiot. <laughs> Give me three for the one, you fool. Yeah. You fool. Yeah. Yeah. It. it it's pretty <laughs> – I love, too, that it says, like, th- this is confusing, right? Because the Minuteman Civil Defense Corps has disbanded, according to two sentences above. Right, sure. But it's still in operation in 15 states. What? You <laughs> – this trustworthy encyclopedia is confusing. I, I am – I'm not convinced it's very trustworthy, actually. I'm not convinced it's an encyclopedia. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers. I want the truth. Can't handle the truth. And we need to end our show with what I think is my favorite story of the week. Um, I'm going to go ahead and read the whole thing. This is uh, from Asia One News, a Singapore press holdings portal. Hubby claims wife raped by invisible man. A man has claimed that his wife was raped by an invisible man, Sin Chu Daily reported. The youth in his 20s said his wife would remove her clothing, touch her own body, and moan while sleeping at night since a month ago. I'm going to be in my bunk. uh, (laughs) He sought help from a medium who then told him someone had used black magic to take away the wife's soul and rape her. The couple from Bintua Sarolak, that's that's not not a a place, place. (laughs) (laughs) lodged a police report, but the police could not do anything to arrest the invisible man. It's very difficult to arrest invisible people. Uh, your wife is masturbating, dude. <laughs> Gotta break it to you, dude. I, it's in Malaysia. I just looked it up. This place is in Malaysia. Fucking reach over, dude. Yeah, I know. Just join in. You know, I think that's an invitation what there, the son. <laughs> if, if I woke up, my wife's like fucking naked and fucking writhing around. I'd be like, hmm. Jackie P for me. <laughs> I, <guess it's- laughs> I wouldn't be, be calling the cops. Time for me to perform my be- marital duties. <laughs> what, what's, what is wrong with this guy? Is a guy in his twenties. I know, <laughs> and he's married. Like you haven't seen this before. I don't. Uh, maybe he hasn't. What, um, so uh, the other never thing I want to talk to about me like that. <laughs> the other thing I want to talk about is the picture here with the the image of the legs wrapped around the pillow. There, I know it's so awesome. <laughs> 
They should arrest the pillow. I can't do anything but chuckle at that. It's not an invisible man. It's obviously a pillow. They're, they're like cops show up and they're like tasing the pillow. They're like, it's not working. <laughs> He's continuing to resist. The invisible man has gotten away. He's full of downy goodness. I love it. I love that it's an invisible man. She's over there fucking rubbing one out, dude. Figure it out. The fuck? You could fucking lend a hand, my good man. <laughs> She's playing with the pearl. Figure Look, it out, dude. It, this is a win-win, and you're still managing to lose. <laughs> he called the cops. <laughs> he called the cops. Why are you waiting for advice? I, Look it up on the internet. Can, uh, how, how does the cop show up and be like, you, you want us to do what now? Arrest <laughs> an invisible man because... A medium told you that your wife's soul was being raped. What? Wait, your wife is doing what? Yeah. I have to investigate. Wait out here. <laughs> All right, so uh, we want to start our, e- our email section with uh, a message we got from Mike. Now, Mike sent us a message, and he said, uh, here's it's the, the title was marriage in America. And he says, love the podcast. Thought you might be able to have some fun with this. Keep up the good work. Um, Mike, I just want to mention that you sent us like 40 pages of random code. Like that's all it yeah, is. Whatever did not you said, work. I, I think my computer's actually been taken over by your computer. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, but you just sent us a big batch of code. So if you want to resend that, uh, then we'd be able to talk about it. But I didn't see anything that was in there. No, I, I I couldn't view it either. Yeah. It looks like uh, me trying to do a something yeah. on a computer. I'm sympathetic because that is basically every email I've ever sent. Right. It looks like right you hired there. a couple monkeys just to type for three days. Randomly bang on the keyboard. We got a uh, an email from Drew. Um, we had mentioned Drew last time. Uh, Drew tried to post us a crazy textbook. We trumped his crazy textbook with the crazier, crazier oh, God, textbook. Yeah. So Drew's also got a show, um, and it's uh, Philosophy Over Beers. He's got a website, philosophyoverbeers.com. We'll post a link to it. Um, it looks terrific. Uh, we, I, watched, I watched a minute-and-a-half clip on there. That's the maximum attention span I'm able to sustain at any one given time. Um, clearly, your skills with to computers is uh, tremendous because I— yeah. I, 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 I could barely even watch this thing. Um, <laughs> I, I actually know After Effects and know the amount of time that he put into that. And it looks it looks spectacular, Drew. Great job. We got some more Android app feedback, Cecil, from uh, Dusty. I like this because it's it, we've only sold two Android apps. Right. So we've gotten feedback twice. <laughs> the other Android app we sold <laughs> was bought by my wife. Right, right. So I bought the other one. Um, this is great, though. <laughs> Fucking awesome. Two shows in a week. I agree, Cecil. It is the damn rapture. You guys suck big wet yak balls. Yak balls this time. Are those bigger? They got to be bigger than donkey balls. Why are they wet? What's with this yak? Well, Control we're sucking yourself. on them. No, we're <laughs> sucking on them. They're going to be wet. Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm very glad to fillet uh, yak balls for you, <laughs> Dusty. I mean, if it gets me feedback, I guess I'll do whatever it takes at this uh, point. James sent us a photo, and I'm just going to post the photo. I'm not going to tell you about it. Just go find the photo on our website. James, thanks for sending it. It entails the Pope. That's all I'm saying. The Pope <laughs> is in a photo. If you want to see the Pope in a photo, you have to go to our website. So we got a, we also got an email from Luke. Luke had some suggestions for the show. I'm um, not going to go over all the suggestions for the show that he had. Um, I appreciate that very much. If anybody has suggestions for the show, segments you'd like to hear, um, ways that you think we could improve our show other than me spending money and buying a decent microphone, I would love to hear it. Um, so send us these suggestions. Luke, thank you very much. Luke also sent us a couple of clips that uh, he suggests we might use in our intro. Um, these are good clips. We listened to them. Thank you. We'll uh, definitely consider these. Again, we, we really enjoy getting this kind of uh, feedback from our listeners, and thank you very much for the, uh, for the email, Luke. I want to mention, too, he says, um, you know, one of the things he says in this, in this email is he says that there's a lot of times that we agree and that, you know, sometimes we don't take the devil's advocate side. And I'm going to I'm going to just throw this out there that a lot of times there is no devil's advocate side when it comes to skeptic stuff. There really isn't. On the one side, you have like crazy woo. And on the other side, you have reason and science. And there's there's no way either Tom or I is going to take a side that's going to be like, yeah, Steve Jobs should have fucking changed his diet. 
No, I don't think either of us is ever going to say that. No. And I think the reason why is because, you know, like we just we just fall on this side of the spectrum. And a lot of times politically, Tom and I just fall on this side of the spectrum. Neither of us are really going to just step up and, and, and just try to disagree, I think, just to disagree. I don't think that we're going to be able to do that. Yeah, I don't want it to be dishonest, but we do appreciate the feedback. I mean, I... I, I I don't want to seem like we're just uh, saying thanks, but no thanks. But thanks. Uh, no thanks. We appreciate the feedback. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you, Luke. That is that is good. I just wanted to mention that one thing where you, you mentioned, you know, it'd be, it'd be, it might be better if we argued a little more. I get that. I understand that. And there's a lot of people, even in the movie review podcast that we do, where they're like, well, you guys agree on everything. It's like, well, if I didn't say, if I came out and just tried to be argumentative, to be argumentative, it would be disingenuous. It yeah. just wouldn't make any sense. Right. right. We got, uh, I got to say, ZV470 on Twitter. He's great. He always retweets stuff for us, always mentions us, recommends our podcast. Thanks, ZV470. I, you know, the guy lives in New Zealand. He's awesome. I, I read his tweets. He's a great dude. So thank you again. We really appreciate it. We also got a tweet um, that included a, uh, a link to Religion Poisons. This is a, a blog, uh, religionpoisons.wordpress.com. Um, I, I just want to talk real quick, Cecil, about the image on the, the top, top of image. it. Best banner ever. It says, thank you, Jesus. And it's got this woman like with her arms up and like looking up at the sky because Jesus is north uh, for helping me find my car keys. And it's got an <laughs> athlete with his hands clapped together for letting me throw that touchdown. <laughs> and then it's got the most horrific image of a starving baby. <laughs> There's no text underneath it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so if you want to go there, like Tom said, it's religionpoisons.wordpress.com. Uh, we will be uh, religions poisons is the uh, is the name of the the Twitter account. Uh, so uh, we will be going to your blog. I'm going to put it on my blog list to go and check some stuff out. So so we'll probably use you in the future. Thanks for sending your blog to us. And if you if you have a skeptical blog and you'd like us to mention it, or if you have a skeptical podcast you'd like us to mention, feel free to send it to us, guys. Like we're going to throw you shout outs because we we love that this community is so tightly knit and that they communicate like this and that they get ideas off of each other. We love that about this community. Uh, it's it, this this sort of idea that. Um, that knowledge uh, reciprocates itself and it just keeps on growing. So yeah, send us stuff. We'll mention it. It's almost like we're creating like a virtual border patrol against nonsense. (laughs) 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 And with that, we will leave you with the skeptics creed. Credulity is not a virtue. It's fortune cookie cutter, mommy issue, hypno Babylon bullshit. Couched in scientician, double bubble, toil and trouble, pseudo quasi alternative, acupunctuating, pressurized, stereogram, pyramidal, free energy, healing, water, downward spiral, brain dead pan, sales pitch, late night info docutainment. Leo Pisces, cancer cures, detox, reflex, foot massage, death and towers, tarot cars, psychic healing, crystal balls, Bigfoot, Yeti, aliens, churches, mosques and synagogues, temples, dragons, giant worms, Atlantis, dolphins, truthers, birthers, witches, wizards, vaccine nuts, shaman healers, evangelists, conspiracy, doublespeak, stigmata, nonsense. Expose your signs. Thrust your hands, bloody, evidential, conclusive. Doubt even this. Thank you for listening to Cognitive Dissonance. If you want to reach us by phone, you can call us at 740-743-6828. That's 740-74-DOUBT. Long distance rates apply. Send us an email at dissonance.podcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at dissonance underscore pod.